Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome back to Trot's Life. Now, this is a big month because it is the Teal Campaign Month. This has been going on for a number of years, an association between Women Can, the Ovarian Cancer Foundation, and Harness Racing Victoria. And it's such a powerful combination because, well, one of the big reasons women run harness racing. And we'll find out a little bit more about that. Karen Livingston from Women Can joins us on the line. How are you, Karen? Hey, Jason, I'm very good, and hello to all your listeners. Um, as I say, this has been a long-term association. Now, Harness Racing Victoria have got plenty of tentacles when it comes to um, helping out the community and trying to do good in the world, but this association, um, the Teal Campaign with Women Can that you're involved with, and um, and really raising awareness and funds for gynecological cancers has been something that's been going on for a long period of time. And I was mentioning um, it's a great combination for a number of reasons, but one of them is women are so prominent in harness racing, and that mm. is uh, very much uh, played out by the quality of the ambassadors in 2023. Look, it's incredible. Um, Team Teal is what the campaign's called. Um, the women who are involved in um, in harness racing – you know, the equity in this sport is just incredible. And that's what we really love about it, that, um, you know, women are represented at every level. And, you know, that's something that's very passionate to our hearts. Um, it's a campaign that raises funds and awareness for women with ovarian cancer. Look, it started as ovarian cancer in 2010. Duncan McPherson, who's a very prominent um, owner and breeder, um, lost his wife tragically and... Um, under, you know, uh, very familiar um, circumstances for women. Um, she was misdiagnosed many times before she was correctly diagnosed. Um, and then by that time, so much time had, had passed that um, her prognosis and her survival was, was definitely very um, challenging. Um, and so he wanted to do something to, um, to pay homage to his wife, but also to connect the harness racing, which he's so passionate about, connect the harness racing community to um, to the cause as well. So it started in Victoria with the help of HIV um, in 2010. It is now in 2023 a national campaign, so we're in every state of Australia, plus New Zealand. So it's had very humble roots and it's actually grown because there's been such a strong need. And we, we, I think everybody in harness racing and many of our listeners, most if not all, will know um, Duncan's tragic story and how he's been able to turn that around and do something really positive. But you yourself have a, a pretty storied history with ovarian cancer as well, unfortunately. And I guess this is the nature of life. Something affects you and, and, uh, and then you get involved and try and turn it into a positive. But you've got your own story as well, Karen. Yeah, look, I think um, sharing your lived experience is, is the most authentic way to get people to listen to you. Um, in uh, my aunt, who was in the, in the uh, 
the Gallup um, industry, she was a wife of a horse trainer. Um, she actually first got ovarian cancer in 1993, and we didn't actually know it ran in families. We didn't know a lot about it. Um, my mum had had a partial hysterectomy, and they'd left ovaries behind. Um, so when they got to, in 1998, said, look, we think this is ovarian cancer, mum was quite confused because she'd actually thought that everything had been taken out. Um, it is actually quite um, common to leave ovaries behind so women can go through a natural menopause. Um, so for myself and my sister, Nicole, we uh, were uh, the front of... Um, co-founding the movement for ovarian cancer in Australia was really important for us that families didn't uh, experience the same um, devastation as what we had. Um, and so from that, um, I actually have been involved with ANSCOG for over a period, and ANSCOG is the research parent company of Women Can. Mm. Um, and uh, ANSCOG, uh, I've been involved for 15 years and 10 years of those as a board director What's really important is that collectively we actually raise the, raise the awareness of ovarian cancer and raise the knowledge and the need for um, research because that's the most important thing. We know that nearly 20, probably more than 20%, um, but we, there are genes that we haven't discovered yet, are actually familial. Um, so they run in families. Okay. So anyone that has a strong history of breast or ovarian cancer in their family, both of those diseases could actually be um, at higher risk than population for ovarian cancer as well. Uh, so I just want to double back and talk about um, the misdiagnosis situation because mm. you've got ovarian cancer and the five-year survival rate remains under 50%. So all the work mm. that's been done by you, by Duncan McPherson, by stacks of people over a long period of time, we're making a difference, but we're nowhere near where we need to be. So why is that yeah. five-year survival rate for ovarian cancer so low? And why is it such a misdiagnosed condition? Great question. Firstly, when my mum was first diagnosed, it was 37%. It's now 49 So we are actually moving forward, yeah. but albeit in very slow progress. Um, I guess... The, the really big message we need to get out to women is there is no detection test, there is no screening test, there is no vaccine for ovarian cancer. And there's a big misconception in the in the general population that women feel quite safe because they've had their, um, their gynecological test, mm. which is actually only covering them for cervical cancer. It's actually not covering them and human papillomavirus. It's not covering them for anything outside of the cervix, and there are seven gynecological cancers. So it's really important to understand that if you are experiencing symptoms, um, then you actually go to your doctor and you keep going back until you believe you've got a conclusive diagnosis. Now, if you allow me, I'll actually talk to you about what the four most common symptoms of ovarian cancer are. So they're not the only ones, but they're the most reported symptoms. Abdominal bloating or increased abdominal size, abdominal or pelvic pain, appetite loss, feeling full quickly um, and having indigestion after eating, um, frequency of urination or changes in other bowel, in your bowel habits. Now, that was very prominent with my mum. She had constipation. She went back three times and he kept telling her to have more fibre in her diet. And in the end, 
mum actually said, there is something wrong, I know, I need to have something else done. Um, and it was only because of her persistence going backwards and forwards that um, they then went in to look at more, um, more uh, you know, sinister um, causes to, to her symptoms. So this is really critical, isn't it? Uh, uh, human beings know their own bodies, but women in particular know their own bodies. And I, th- I think part of the encouragement here is... Um, you don't have to be. You don't have to be shy about your own health. You don't have to go in in to a GP or to a clinic and think to yourself, "Oh, you know, I'm wasting their time. I've just got a little tummy ache. I'm a little bit bloated." You, you know when something's wrong, don't you? You know when something yeah, that I, significant is wrong. Absolutely, you're spot on. Women tell us past, not all. Um, some will actually tell you that they they didn't recognise any symptoms. But majority will actually tell you that they knew something was really wrong and that's what kept them going back to their doctors. Look, I think the thing is that um, I think what we've all realised from my mum, my mum would have been 90 this year, Mm. um, but um, I guess what we've learnt from my mum's generation to this generation is your health is actually a collaboration with medical professionals. So it's actually not about packing everything into a box, handing it to your doctor and saying, you look after it. I don't really want to know the details. It's really about all the proactive things that you can actually do to ensure that you're actually well, um, to ensure that you do, as you said, keep going back to your doctor and say, there is something not right. I may, I know my body. Um, and it's really important that we actually ensure. And if you don't get it from your normal doctor, go and see another doctor. I know that's not as easy because doctors are so busy these days, but I think it's really important that you actually pursue. And if, you're, if you are shy and you don't feel that you can be forthright with doctors, take somebody with you who mm. can actually speak on your behalf. Yeah, I think this is really, really critical. And I think it's um, so interesting. We, we obviously do a lot of work uh, at Harness Racing Victoria um, with the Prostate Cancer Foundation as well. And there's that very specific test, isn't there, the PSA test, that can reveal whether you've uh, whether you've got prostate cancer or the formative stages, or you're even in those peri stages of having prostate cancer. Cancer. There's no such test with ovarian cancer, and I guess this is part of what we're trying to do: raise funds because we don't know what the future holds. Maybe, maybe a test can be created because you've spoken about it, and we know this about all cancers: that early diagnosis is the key to survival. Yeah, sure. Look, early diagnosis is definitely the key. Um, The PSA um, in prostate is actually not a general population screening because it's not, it's not, uh, it doesn't have very high 90% um, accuracy. So that's actually a test that a doctor will actually perform because he's feeling something's not right. So it's not a, it's not a regular screening test. I think the thing is with regards to ovarian cancer, we know it's not one disease. We know that it's five different types, distinct molecular types of ovarian cancer. So I think the thing is, Jason, that to do one test that's going to cover all of those things is actually quite difficult. And that's why we haven't got to a test. So what ANSGOG's um, research is about is actually... Um, enabling women to live longer and better. So we want to find treatments. And with all cancers now, it's about genetics. So it's really about precision treatments, not giving everybody the same treatment, Mm. hoping that it will work. 
Um, for example, my mum was two years and 10 months. My aunt was 10 years um, surviving um, through treatment. So it's really important that um, with ANSGOG's research program, it's all about precision uh, and targeting treatments for women according to their individual profile. So we know that, um, for example, if you have hereditary ovarian cancer, there are drugs which are called PARP inhibitors um, that will actually address um, a fault in the DNA repair. Um, and so women with, uh, with hereditary can, on average, live longer than women who don't have the hereditary um, incidence for it. So, look, it's really... It, it's quite complex, but we are making progress. And we look at breast cancer, which is a 92% survival to five years. They are the gold standard. What we want is to have the same opportunities that um, breast cancer research has had to actually develop these targeted treatments to ensure that we can extend the life and that women, whilst they're going, undergoing treatment, can actually have a quality of life, not not um, be so sick that they can't enjoy their lives at the same time. We're going to get to a break now, but that's a really critical point I want to touch on when we come back. Living longer is one goal. Living better is perhaps even more important. We'll be back in a moment. Team Teal uh, campaign right throughout the course of the month. Combination between women, can and harness racing Victoria. Stick with us. Welcome back to Trots Live. Very special interview here with Karen Livingston from Women Can. And you made a really critical point, I think. And we'll talk about where the money uh, for research in terms of the funding that will be raised by Harness Racing Victoria throughout the uh, course of the month will go. But that's a really critical point, isn't it? I mean, living longer is one goal, but living well while you've got ovarian cancer, I think, is so critical. In fact, for all cancers and all um, all terminal but really difficult diseases, you want to have a quality of life. Living longer is great, but you want to have a quality of life while you've yeah. got it. Absolutely. It's really key because there's no use giving women treatments that they can't tolerate. Um, what we want to do is to give them quality time that they can actually spend, you know, really um, create precious memories with their families. Now, if, if the treatments are harsh and, and, you know, many years ago, that's what they were. And, um, you know, they, there are changes in that now where, you know, um, with regards to ANSGOG, we actually have consumers or people with lived experience that are actually involved in the development of all of our research. So they'll ask questions that clinicians aren't necessarily thinking about, which actually really is focused on the quality of life. Um, and we also do quality of life research in its um, entirety as well. So I think that that's really important. We do exercise because we do know that women who um, exercise, it is actually uh, a, a proven point that women who exercise through treatment and continue that exercise can um, have better outcomes for survival in terms of um, their quality of life. And then that's really important to understand as well. I think, I think when people make a contribution to um, any worthy cause, in the back of their mind, they wonder exactly where the money is going, and, and I, people will think about, oh, it's all going towards a cure, and a lot of it will be going towards uh, research, towards trying to extend the lives of people with ovarian cancer, but you've got a range of platforms, and one of the mm. big ones is educating the community at large about ovarian cancer, isn't it? Well, it's educating the community, but it's more importantly, educate, because we know there's no screening test, no detection test, no vaccine. It's actually educating students in medical schools. Yeah. And so really educating them um, is, is at the forefront. Now, what we do is 
We have 22 university partners around Australia and New Zealand. We actually go into these medical schools or nursing schools or other allied health schools. And what we do is we have four women with lived experience and they each had seven and a half minutes to talk to the doctors about how they were diagnosed how they were told that they had ovarian cancer, you know, what the future holds for them, how they emotionally survive having a diagnosis. So what that means is that these doctors can then go into practice and they actually know that these women were misdiagnosed even though they instinctively knew something was not right. I have a great example in, um, in WA, one of our speakers, Claire, um, who has done a lot of work with, um, with uh, harness racing in, in Western Australia, she actually had an emergency and she had to end up um, in, uh, in the emergency section of uh, the Perth Hospital. And one of the doctors uh, in the emergency setting actually came up to her and said, I know who you are. I heard your lecture mm. at um, university and it was one of the most important things that I heard and took with me into my practice. Wow. How amazing is that? Well, I, mean, I, well, I, 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 I think one of the, like this is an incredible um, initiative. As somebody who's spent a lot of time in hospitals myself, wish I hadn't, but I have. Mm-hmm. And the, the the medical profession at large is under a lot of pressure. Doctors and nurses yes. are under more pressure than they should be. There's a tight squeeze. But isn't it ama- an amazing concept that having heard those lived experiences that a doctor or a nurse will hear a story that seems quite banal in and of itself and they say, I've heard that story before and I reckon I know what you've got because I've heard that story before. And that is the hope. And, you know, we want women diagnosed early because women who are diagnosed at stage one have a 90% um, chance of survival because the cancer is actually still encapsulated in the ovary. So we want women actually sent for tests And look, the thing is, we have to recognise that general practitioners and GPs, they are at the front line. They're getting lots of different messages from lots of different organisations. And the thing is that they're actually a detective. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, so if you have a family history, um, you need to be telling Mm. um, the doctor that there is this, this disease in the family. So when they're actually going well, what could be wrong with this woman? Oh, there's ovarian cancer in her family. We need to escalate that and we need to get her to have a screen just so we can rule it out. Normally what happens is they go through all the benign um, causes, irritable bowel, bloating, or, you know, it's menopause. And then when the woman keeps coming back, then they say, let's take you for a transvaginal ultrasound and see what's going on. And by that time, it's actually advanced because it is, is a very fast, it is a rapid growing cancer. Um, And you would hear with prostate cancer, a lot of people actually say, a lot of doctors say, look, people are, men are likely to die with it rather than of it because it Mm. is very slow growing um, in most instances. With ovarian cancer, every every, um, type of ovarian cancer can actually be very fast in growing. So we really, time is of an essence. So that's why... Educating the general practitioners is so critically important to get that message out. Now, last year, there was something like 2,500 students that we actually reached with our message across Australia and New Zealand. That is phenomenal. Um, and, you know, we're really hopeful that, uh, that they will take that into their practice. So uh, can I, one of the other things I really wanted to talk about was 
that um, the harness racing from inception in 2010 has raised more than $2.5 million. Oh, my Lord. For ovarian cancer, education and research. I think that that is just phenomenal. It is an amazing effort. And and it is accelerating as well. As you mentioned it now, it is a, a national campaign. And I just think harness racing should be incredibly proud of this association with Women Can, but I'll tell you what is another great thing. I mean, women are at the forefront of the sport, but, you know, we always talk about men being, uh, not wanting to go to doctors and all the rest of it, but I actually love that, you know, Harness Racing have made this combination or uh, this association with Women Can because the women in our sport, Karen, you would know um, with the thoroughbred background as well, the women in racing are so tough and so strong and want to deny something's wrong. And I think part of the message as well is saying, Actually, harness that strength and go and go and mm. go and sort yourself out because we tend to just—I mean, it's it's a tough, brutal sport with tough, hard people. But it's actually the tougher decision sometimes to say, "Look, I'm really not feeling good, and I've got to get this sorted." And look, and that can be a cost for all women too. We all know our mums. You know, our mums are busy yeah. running around, taking kids, and looking after dinner and everything else, and they always put themselves at the last. And really. I think that um, the harness racing, the women in the harness racing, really are leading the way in terms of understanding what this disease is and how important it is to actually seek diagnosis as quickly as possible. I really, um, the whole of the harness racing industry should be so proud because you know it's just an amazing um, collective effort to actually raise the mantle of ovarian cancer and other gynecological cancers um, for the community and the general public at large. Now, we've got our ambassadors. Um, that's a question without notice. I'm pretty sure Karen Manning's involved. She is. Uh, Kate Gath. Absolutely. Kate Gath, Jodie Quinlan, Quinlan and Jackie Barker. And Jackie and Barker. Yeah, Jodie's um, mum actually also yes. had ovarian cancer. Um, so it's really, she totally understands what it is to have someone in the family and, you know, and her mum to have been um, in, in a point of time that she was actually fighting um, to survive. So, you know, I think that that's a really um, important and she does share that lived experience. Those girls have been amazing and, um, and you know, they, in terms of winners, I mean, you know, they've been really uh, crossing the line as, as, as much as they can and they really do step it up during um, Team Teal. You know what I'm encouraging everyone to do? So they're the four ambassadors and they'll make money for uh, Women Can every time they win a race. But if you're a harness racing lover, what I'd do is pick another female driver and contribute whatever you can, 5, 10, 20, whatever it is every time they win, whether it's Michelle Phillips or Cody Rockenberger or um, Taylor French, whoever it might be, just pick your own and contribute that way. But if you just want to give a donation because you've heard the stories now and you're passionate about harness racing, you're passionate about ovarian cancer or passionate about both, how do people get involved in contributing outside of this, uh, this initiative? Yep. There is a whole um, uh, website, which is teamteal.org.au. Um, we'll have all the tallies up there, um, and uh, so they can check it every week. And there's also a donate button in there. Um, we have some events that are being held in Victoria and across the country, um, including Night at the Trots on the 25th of February. We have a special guest um, uh 
Paula Duncan, who is an icon of television, is coming to that event. So, look, there's many ways that people can get involved. Pledging to support one of your Rains women is a great way to do it. Um, and certainly they can contact us through Team Teal and we can um, set up a pledge system for, you know, if they want to pledge $20 for every win of a particular Rains woman, we can help set them up um, and, uh, and make sure that, uh, you know, that we can actually enable that. So, look, I think it's really um, important that we actually get the message out there. Can I also say that we're on um, Facebook under Women Can Fundraising and under um, Instagram under Women Can Fund, um, and we'll be keeping lots of news in, um, on our sites with regards to Team Teal as well. I always said my beautiful late mother looked like Paula Duncan. What an icon she is. Oh, I'm, wow. showing my, I'm showing my age. I'm going back to number 96 no. and, and all the rest of it. And cop shop. Oh. Like, cop shop has reunions every year in Melbourne, and they're massive. Oh. Like, Paula's now 70, and she spent 50 years in show business. Yeah, wow. um, and she lost her sister, unfortunately, to a gynecological cancer. And she is our ambassador, um, the Women Can Ambassador. So she's actually agreed to fly to Melbourne from Sydney to be part of the event. So it will be actually much fun. She's a most lovely person. It's been great chatting with you, Karen. And that's tip of the iceberg stuff, but we're going to be doing it all month, trying to educate. You're going to learn a little bit and it might make you want to go and investigate further. But whatever you do, make sure that you support the Team Teal campaign. There's going to be a great night at Tabcorp Park Melton as well. I know not everyone around the country can get there, but if you can, it is an absolutely massive night. Lots of entertainment. And uh, Duncan McPherson in and of himself is entertainment really, isn't he, uh, Karen? So uh, you only have to spend five minutes with Duncan and, and you've been entertained for the night, haven't you? Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he tells a great story that um, he remembers being down at Summers Beach with his dad watching horses being swum, which were actually being swum by my uncle, Charlie Weymouth, in, um, from the Belnaring. Um, so, I mean, that was even before I met Duncan. He has got millions of stories. He's such a dynamo. I love working with him. His passion is immense. And, you know, get real support deal is what he would say. Good on you, Karen. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks, Jason. Bye, everyone.